We're going to continue on a series that we've been preaching uh, for a bit now, and the series is called A Burning Passion. Now, I took a bit of a break for Thanksgiving, and we preached on something else, but I want to continue with this idea of God wanting us to be passionate about life, passionate about serving Him, passionate in our relationships, passionate about what we do. Because truly, to live well and to live full, we need to be passionate. This week, I want to look at another way that we can have passion stir or return. And that is to diligently seek Him. Now that's the scripture wording of it, to diligently seek Him. Maybe a wording that you could understand more in the natural sense would be to pursue Him. Or pursue again. Hebrews 11 verse 6 says this. It says, Without faith it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is. And that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. And Psalm 42 verse 1. It says, As the deer longs for streams of water, so I long for you, O God. I thirst for God, the living God. When can I go and stand before him? Here is a picture that the psalmist is giving us of a deer longing for water and panting. And hunters know that animals like deer need a water source. And often a good, clear, flowing spring is a water source. And a good hunter will know if there's a trail, a couple trails to a water source, there's going to be deer. Because they need water to survive. If you've ever seen a deer running with its tongue hanging out, panting, it needs a drink. And it's going to have to find one. And maybe the deer's running because the hunters have been chasing it. But they need water. Just like this, the psalmist is saying, my soul is longing for God and his presence. There is a passion, a desire there that drives him forward to get that drink. Church, you and I need that kind of passion. We need to go after it, just like the deer running, heading to water. We need to pursue God's presence. We need to want it deeply. It's called diligently seeking Him. Psalm 63 and verse 1 to 4. O God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. As in a dry and weary land where there is no water. So I have looked upon you in the sanctuary, beholding your power and glory. Because your steadfast love is better than life. My lips will praise you. So I will bless you as long as I live. In your name, I will lift up my hands. So once again, that desire or passion is likened to the longing for water. And he says in here, your love is better than life. Is our passion to a spot where we would say that getting in God's presence is better than life? Church, pursuing him, diligently wanting what he has is important. As we've been going through this series, I've been using the natural passion of relationship to help explain the spiritual relationship with Christ because it's a relationship, not a religious duty. 
When you go through scripture, you can see he wanted a relationship with his people. Now, it is different than a relationship of a husband and wife, but we can learn things from it. And even scripture uses that analogy where it says that Christ loved the church and shows how there is an analogy there that helps us understand. And so today I want to look at that again in that way. And in the natural relationship, when you begin a relationship, there is a pursuing that happens. Now often it's the man that pursues the woman. I remember early in the building or the about to happen of a relationship between my wife and I. I was traveling with them and there was this section of time where she completely ignored me. It was the best thing she could have ever done. I had to pursue a little bit. <laughs> she told me after many years, her mom told her, you just ignore that guy. Like, don't, you know, just leave him alone. We don't want him to get, you know, I was helping with ministry. Just leave him alone. We don't want him to get scared off and not help with ministry. Her mom had no idea what she was doing by telling her that. <laughs> but pursuing happens. Pursuing is important in a relationship. You know, going the extra mile, giving the phone call, wanting to spend time with them. Pursuing is important. And sometimes in a relationship after the wedding, men forget they need to keep pursuing. By the way, ladies, there's nowhere that I see pursuing is only for the man. There can be uh, back and forth if you want passion to be important there. Well, that was a little relationship advice. Okay, moving on. Pursuing after the marriage wedding is still important. You should still do those things that you used to do. Don't forget it. I remember hearing the story about an older gentleman who uh, was talking with his wife and she was kind of like, oh dear, you never tell me you love me. And she's getting all you know, kind of whining a little bit. But anyway, she was just telling him, you never say you love me. The older gentleman looked at her and said, when we got married, I told you I loved you. If anything changes, I'll let you know. Okay, that is a bad idea, okay, church? Men, do not do that. If you want passion to remain and to grow, you have to continue doing some of those initial things that you did. Keep on taking your spouse for dates. Keep on telling her how much you love her. So I'm saying we need to earnestly or diligently seek him. We need to go after him, go after the Lord and his presence. So how do we do that? I'm going to just give you a few points. How do you diligently seek God? Because, right, that's easy to say, but if you don't know how, it does you no good. So how? Here's one of the ways and it's get in his word, the Bible. That's God's word to you and I. Some have even said it's his love letter to us. Tell us how he loves us, what he did for us, what he wants for us, the future plans he has for us. It's all here. Much like a love letter. Psalm 1, verse 1 to 3 says, Oh, the joys of those who do not follow the advice of the wicked or stand around with sinners or join in with mockers. But they delight in the law of the Lord, meditating on it day and night. They are like trees planted along the riverbank. 
bearing fruit each season. Their leaves never wither, and they prosper in all that they do. You see, God's word should be something we delight in and desire. Look at Psalm 119 and verse 9. It says, how can a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed according to your word. My whole, with my whole heart have I sought you. Let me not wander from your commandments. He's talking about the word. Your word have I hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. Blessed are you, Lord. Teach me your statutes. With my lips have I declared all the judgments of your mouth. I have rejoiced in the way of your testimonies as much as in all riches. I will meditate on your precepts and contemplate your ways. Every single verse is talking about his word. I will delight myself in your statutes. I will not forget your word. Deal bountifully with your servant that I may live and keep your word. Open my eyes that I may see wondrous things from your law. I am a stranger in the earth. Do not hide your commandments from me. My soul breaks with longing for your judgments at all times. You see, God's word is something that we must get into if we want passion to be there. The love letter that he gave us. I love verse 18 where he's saying, open my eyes that I can see wondrous things. You know, he at that time only had some of the Old Testament, which was a lot of rules, and yet he's saying, open my eyes that I can see wonderful things in your word. Church, I want to encourage you when you read this, Ask him to make it real to you. Pray before you read it. Say, Lord, show me wondrous things in here. Show me amazing things and then start to read. It will surprise you what he'll do. I can remember as a young man when God started to open his word to me and I'd be reading a verse and all of a sudden the Holy Spirit would speak different things about it. It would expand and I'd be like, wow, is that real? There must be other scripture that shows it and just like that. His word came alive. He wants to do that for you because it's his word. In the natural sense of relationship, I got to ask the question, how many of you ever wrote love letters to the person you married? I know nowadays it's all techie. Oh, I sent them a text or a message. Sending notes is a great thing to do for a relationship. My wife and I had love letters. And sometimes they were cards for this or that, and we'd write in there, and she kept them all. And, you know, going back and reading them stirs passion, just like reading this that God gave us. And I've looked at some of them before, and I thought to myself, wow, did I actually write that? That is good stuff. No, I didn't actually do that. I like to read the one she wrote. So I'm going to encourage you, if you're in a relationship, and you've never written a love note or a love car, a card with something in for your spouse, do it. Okay, don't be so techie that you don't do it. Because if they save it, it's something that can be reread and doesn't die. And it can stir passion once again. However, it doesn't really matter if you know poetry or not. Write something to them. Tell them how you feel. They will keep it, I guarantee you, both ways. Spouses, wives, if you write to your husband something, they'll keep it. Well, some husbands might not, but they'll put it on top of the fridge, and then you can put it in a safer place, okay? Honestly, it is super important. Get into the Word. Remember the things that were said if you didn't write them, and then start a new tradition in your relationship. Write them something. I would encourage you. It's a pretty cool thing to do, all right?
And write them something that you want them to cherish and keep. Don't write the note about how mad you are and how much you don't like everything they did. That's not the kind of note I'm talking about. Because those also can be kept and remembered. And that's not a good thing to do. Okay? Those things have a discussion about. Forgive and let them go. But the love and the things you cherish and the things you think are amazing about them, write those down. And let those be kept to be pulled out and read again. There's some good marriage advice right there. All right, here's another way that you can diligently seek him. Or let passion be stirred. Prayer and praise. This is the communication part of a healthy relationship. Now, talking about our relationship with the Lord, let's read a couple verses. Psalm 55, 16. It says, As for me, I will call upon God, and the Lord shall save me. Evening and morning and at noon, I will pray and cry aloud, and he shall hear my voice. The psalmist is saying, regularly I'm going to call on him. Regularly I'm going to talk to him. He's going to hear my voice. Jude 1 and verse 20 says, But you, beloved, building yourself up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. You see, communication must happen for relationship and passion to be strong. If there's a lack of communication in your relationship, passion will get lower and lower. You build it or you put a log on the fire by communicating well, by communicating often and allowing passion to come alive. Mark 1 and verse 35. It says, Before daybreak the next morning, Jesus got up and went out to an isolated place to pray. Before daybreak, passion starts early. Don't wait till supper time to talk to your spouse. Tell them early how much you appreciate them, how much you love them. Early. Psalm 57 and verse 7. It says, My heart is steadfast, O God. My heart is steadfast and confident. I will sing, yes, I will sing praises. Awake, my glory. Awake, harp and lyre. I will awaken the dawn. I will praise and give thanks to you, O Lord, among the people. I will sing praise to you among the nations. For your faithfulness and loving kindness are great, reaching to the heavens and your truth to the clouds. Be exalted among the heavens, O God. Let your glory and majesty be over all the earth. This is communication in praise to the Lord. And he is saying, I'm going to get my instruments out and I'm going to start singing before the sun even comes up. Woo! Praise him. Let your voice be heard in praise to him. It's an amazing thing and passion is stirred greatly by music. God created music. And I believe it was created for worship. But our world knows that music stirs passion. It's why it's billions and billions of dollars in industry money. They know a song can move people and stir people. And yes, in your relationship, you can sing to one another. It's great for passion. Anybody here sing to their spouse? Oh, we got a couple. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah, you sang at your wedding. It was, a, it was great. Singing to your spouse is great for passion. Like, well, I don't sing. Do you know they have a favorite song? Sing it to them. It's amazing. I actually 
have done this a time or two. This is not really a secret, but my wife likes Elvis. And uh, if I sing to her like Elvis, it is a win every time. <laughs> Singing and music touches God's heart like never before. And it is healthy in relationship as well. All right? I also believe that one of the greatest things for having passion grow, return, and burn like a bright fire in you and I as believers is to be filled with the Holy Spirit. John 17 and verse 20, Jesus talks about becoming one, and I'm going to show you that that happens by the Holy Spirit. But let's read it. John 17 and verse 20. It says, I do not pray for these alone, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they all may be one as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that you sent me and the glory which you gave me I have given them, that they may be one just as we are one, I in them and you in me, and that they may be made perfect in one, that the world may know that you've sent me and I've loved them as you've loved me. Okay, there was a lot of one and I and them and you. It happens that God wants us to be one in the relationship and he does it by his Holy Spirit. Because God is a spirit and they that worship him must worship in spirit and truth. The oneness of your faith in that relationship is completely spiritual. But isn't it interesting that also in the natural relationship, of being married, God also has designed that there's a oneness a coming together. It's a God thing. Let me give you a little marriage relationship that's important. And it is not a one-time event, okay? The Holy Spirit wants you and I to be spiritually one with the Lord. Now, I don't want you to get weirded out or anything, but I want you to listen. True passion and relationship does require the Holy Spirit to allow fire to burn. And how does it happen? Luke 24, verse 49, Jesus gave the promise. He said, Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you. But tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you're endued with power from on high. So he's telling them, you're going to be endued or filled to overflowing with Holy Spirit. And we know that there was going to be something significant about that. That overflowing of the Spirit would bring passion. Look at Luke 3, 16, as John the Baptist talks about this. John answers, saying to everyone, I indeed baptize you with water, but one mightier than I is coming, whose sandal strap I am not worthy to loose. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Fire is a burning passion within. Now you can think and try to come up, well, what is that fire about? I can show you from Scripture the fire is a burning passion that consumed and caused them to act. We read in Acts chapter 2 when they were first filled by the Holy Spirit. In Acts chapter 2 and verse 1, the disciples were in a room together praying, waiting for the promise. And verse 2 says, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. And it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire, 
and one sat on each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Okay, what happened here? You need to understand something. This group of disciples were actually hiding out still at this time. Jesus had been crucified. He had revealed himself to them. He'd given them a promise. But they were still afraid. They did not have passion for the mission they'd been given. Because they were told, go be witnesses in the whole world. Change the world. But they were not ready. They were in fear. There was not a fire burning on the inside. But they agreed to pray. They prayed together and they waited. And now Holy Spirit shows up. The Holy Spirit showed up, overflowed them, and now they are suddenly filled with a fire and a boldness that will change the world. And it begins with Holy Spirit speaking through them in other languages the great things of God, the goodness of God. People hear the noise and gather around, and they tell them about Jesus. And we know from that message from the, what they begin to share, it said over 3,000 people came and accepted Christ. 3,000 from being scared, hiding in a room, to changing the world. They no longer cared what the world thought. They no longer cared if they were going to be put in prison. They said, we're going to do this. You want fire to do what God has asked you to do? You need the Holy Spirit. If your fire is growing low, you need to be refreshed. Because you see, being filled with the Holy Spirit is not a one-time event. It is something that must continue. Acts chapter 4 and verse 29, we read this. It said, Now, Lord, look on their threats and grant to your servants that with all boldness they may speak your word. By stretching out your hand to heal, that signs and wonders may be done through the name of your holy servant Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they spoke the word of God with boldness. This is only two chapters later. We don't know the exact time frame, but it could have been one week after the first filling. And here they are being refreshed and filled again. For those of you who are believers and have been filled with the Holy Spirit, you can't rely on what happened five years ago, ten years ago. It needs to be refreshed. It needs to be continued. Just like a natural relationship. But Holy Spirit filled them again and answered their prayer to see healings and miracles. And church, once again, many came and accepted Christ. There were healings that were unimaginable. It says that Peter walked down the street and his shadow, if it crossed over people sick laying there, they were immediately healed. Only Holy Spirit can do that. And only Holy Spirit can give you boldness and passion for what he's called you to do. So I need to ask you something. What is it that he's given you to do? If he's placed you in a place of work, you need to do it with passion. If he's placed you in a relationship, you need to live it with passion. If he's asked you to be a mom, you need to do it with passion. If he's asked you to run a business, you need to do a business with passion. If he's asked you to be a teacher, you need to do it with passion. I remember teachers in my life, the ones that stand out are ones that had passion for what they were doing. 
And you know, teachers who have to teach teenagers who don't even want to be there, they have got to have passion. And you can't fool a teenager. You can't pretend you like what you're teaching. Hey, if you don't have passion for what you're doing, ask the Holy Spirit to make it real again or ask him to move you to something else if the season's over. Passion is necessary. You cannot lead, you cannot move forward without passion. And here's the interesting thing about passion. As believers, sometimes we expect that our passion, our experience with the Holy Spirit relies on others. Sometimes we want to blame this person or that person if things aren't great for me, but it's up to you. When Paul talked to Timothy, he said, Timothy, stir up the gift that's in you. Paul played a part in laying hands and seeing it first happen, but it wasn't up to Paul to keep it burning. He said, Timothy, fan the flame or stir up the gift. That, my friend, is up to you. Passion is a must. Did you know that the world wants to follow people who are burning with passion? The world wants to follow people who are on fire. Think about it today. The YouTube people who are famous, they have a passion for what they're doing. Maybe it's the guy who quit everything he ever did, and now he just jumps off bridges and you know parachutes from here and there, and everybody's following. Why? Why does everybody think it's great? Because that person has passion. They're doing things you wish you could do, but we'll stop there. There are no... Famous YouTube people who go on YouTube and go, yeah, I'm so glad about what I'm doing. This is wonderful. And, you know, you should like and follow me. at the. You don't find them because nobody liked and followed them. Passionate people, others gather around and they want to follow. Hey, you and I are called to lead people to him. We must be passionate. No passion. No followers. So church, are you passionate? I hope so. You're allowed to answer that and say, yeah, or I'm getting there, or it's coming. <laughs> Whatever the answer might be. But church, let's be passionate. This morning, I want to know, have you said yes to Holy Spirit giving you passion? Have you asked Holy Spirit to fill you? We're going to take a minute, and I'm going to pray for you and with you. And I'm going to ask Holy Spirit to stir the passion, to light the fire if it needs to be lit, to cause it to burn bright once again if it's not burning bright. And we're going to believe for Holy Spirit to do something significant for you this morning, that you can walk out of here on fire, spiritually speaking, and people will notice a difference. People will want to be around you. They will want to ask you questions they will want to know what you have because the world wants to live with passion. Bow with me. I'm going to pray for you. Lord, I thank you for this congregation. I thank you for each of them. Lord, I know that they love you. They wouldn't be at church if they didn't love you at all. They have come. They want what you have for them. They know that they are not perfect and your passion does not matter about us being perfect. It's your Holy Spirit coming to work in us and through us and with us. And so, Lord, today I just declare over this body a refreshing of your Holy Spirit. For everyone that's already been filled, Lord, stir it again. 
overflow them once again. Lord, if they spoke in tongues years ago and it's been too long, we say stir the gift again. Let them press in with unbelievable passion. Lord, for the one who's never been filled, we just ask in agreement, fill us with your Holy Spirit. Overflow us. Let it be real to us. Let us live with passion once again. The one running a business, the one working at a difficult job, we say let passion flow in them for their job. Wherever you've placed us, let us be on fire. I thank you now, Lord, for a church on fire, for people on fire. We say amen. Amen.